Hi, my name is Paul Dunay, and welcome to another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast. Welcome to another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast, conducted in cooperation with Marketing Profs. I'm your host, Paul Dunay, and today I'm speaking with Dave Guzman, president of MindPick and author of a recent book called Driving Marketing Success, which is volume one in Big M Marketing. So welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thanks, Paul. So today we're going to explore some of the proven Big M marketing techniques from Dave's book, which I think would be invaluable for anyone starting in a new marketing role at a firm because you take that approach in the progression of chapters. So listen up, anyone who's just beginning in a new role. Uh, So Dave, tell us more about what you mean when you say big M marketing. What do you mean by that? Well, marketing in most industries tends to be associated with advertising. You say marketing and the person you're speaking to thinks ads. Um, When I started at uh, Zilog, which is a, a local chip company most famous for making the Z80 microprocessor, I had over 100 people in marketing reporting to me, and one half of one of them was doing advertising. So in high-tech companies um, that are mature, that are successful, and so on, advertising itself plays a fairly small role. Marketing takes on a much broader uh, view of the marketplace, um, how to run the company, uh, starting with uh, product definitions, pro- you know, new product research, uh, working out customer needs, uh, benefits, uh, pricing strategies, working with the sales force, training the sales force, and so on and so forth. I'm, I do make a distinction between marketing and sales here. There are sales channels, and then there, are, there is the marketing group. And to simplify matters, uh, over the years, I've done this a few times, and over the years I've discovered that you can really put marketing and when viewed in this broader sense into six functional categories and I think it's a necessary condition for success that the company do all six of those things it's not sufficient just just having good marketing isn't going to isn't going to make you a success you do need a product you do need to be able to manufacture it and sell it and, and so on but but if you if you're not doing those six things in marketing you're probably not going to be successful so identify those and then I figure out and kind of establish what the personality types that fit those categories are because they tend to be different kinds of people. When, when you first list all the things that marketing does, it's a long, long list. And, and companies, especially startups or, or even uh, you know mid-sized companies, look at that list and it's just daunting. They say, I couldn't possibly build a marketing staff that large. But in fact, you don't need to. What, what you need to do is just ensure that you're doing those six functions. And it's, it's the, those six functions and kind of the definition of them that, that we lump together under the, uh, the umbrella term Big M Marketing. Excellent. In Chapter 3, I like your discussion of how solid is the marketing processes at your company. And you even go so far to have a scorecard that goes with it. So, you know, anecdotally, how solid are most companies and where are the biggest weaknesses per se? Well, I, they're not. Um, they're not solid. Uh, very few companies actually, you know, would get ten out of ten on that. That list originally came from a fellow by the name of Bill Davidow, who was the original marketing genius, I think, uh, behind the Intel Microprocessor Group. 
Um, he was there when they introduced the Z80. In fact, that was his product and so on. And over the years, uh, after I had left Intel, he uh, even taught a marketing course. And this was essentially his list. Um, over the years, after he left, by the way, and went on to become a very successful venture capitalist, um, so I know he still uses it uh, to uh, kind of assess company opportunities he's looking at. But I took his original list and, and kind of rebuilt it more along the lines of my experience, which is more of an entrepreneurial um, kind of view of, of the world. Right. Now, you talk a lot about channels to market, and, and I recognize that based on your semiconductor kind of background. But how important are new media channels to market and, and including it in the big end marketing strategy? Well, more and more so every day. Um, this is a marketing book. Um, and you, you mentioned that uh, uh, there's a series planned, and there are. The next one in the series is about sales channels, building and developing sales channels. Okay. And as I thought about the difference, differences between business to business, industry to industry, I realized that the marketing principles, those six functions, uh, the big M marketing concept, is pretty much the same, regardless of the industry, regardless of the business. What is different, however, are the sales channels. And when you look at um, what, you're, what you're referring to here as new media channels, which is a good term, um, those really, I think, impinge more on the sales channel itself. In older companies like Intel, well, I, I can tell you that a couple of years ago, Intel uh, made the decision, passed an internal law, that they would never again print a manual. 100% of the Intel manual literature, users' manuals, big data sheets, and things like that, are done strictly on the web in HTML formats and distributed that well they, that way. They don't make hard copies at all. So uh, kind of the, you know, the, the simple answer is, well, you, you get away from having to print so much literature, which is a big deal. But in, within certain businesses and in certain industries, in the software industry, for instance, um, the distribution of software itself tends to be done more and more over the web. I mean, there's less and less being done shipping uh, CDs by snail mail. Um, so you, you, you begin to draw the web, the Internet, the, the new media channels into this thing in a, in a very, very intimate way. But it tends to be more on the sales side than on the marketing side. Right, right. You know, in Chapter 10, you talked a lot about differentiation. Uh, and I always love to hear, you know, different people's opinions on that and how markets with no differentiation are commodities. It's sort of a quote from the book. Right. What happens if you find yourself in a commodity market? I mean, semiconductors, you guys had to be somewhere in that zone. You know, how do you differentiate there? Well, semiconductors are you know, it's like a river. Um, coming out the, uh, you know, as the river flows into the ocean, they're all commodities. But uh, you have to replenish the river. You replenish them with new um, high-tech products with new features and so on that are definitely not commodities. So you're using that stream of new innovative products to keep a relationship going with your customers where they don't think of you particularly as a commodity supplier. They, they think of you as an innovator who continues to support your older existing products. Um, I, that, that's a good way to do it. If, if you let yourself just end up with, with just the stuff flowing out into the river, um, that, that's a bad thing. Now, there are companies that have gone into business to do that. Um, surprisingly, AMD was one of them. Um, I met Jerry Sanders um, the day he was funded, 
and we laughed about it and talked about it and stuff, and he explained that he already had identified the first 50 or 60 products that AMD was going to make, and he listed them by part number, and they were the Fairchild parts. So he was going to go out and second source, make make uh, essentially copies of the existing Fairchild parts and sell them in a better way into what was starting to be a commodity market at that point in time. And he did it by adding value through um, through the specs, um, he, he, there was, in those days, there was a big military segment to the business, and he excelled at, uh, at working that military market much better than, than Fairchild did, for instance. So he was able to take Fairchild's own parts, now in the commodity part of the river, and uh, add some uh, cachet to them by the way he was uh, handling this military stuff. He even did it in a very interesting way with the parts numbering system. Where, where purchase, uh, purchasing agents could buy parts from AMD using the Fairchild part numbers directly. Um, that saved them a lot of grief. And surprisingly, in those days, you couldn't do things like that. He was the first guy to do that. So he, he innovated um, the company in ways beyond just the product itself. And, and as he did that, he was able to differentiate um, their offering. Okay. So in your mind... What are the keys to getting a big M marketing strategy in place? Well, yeah, for, first of all, identify the functions and make sure you're doing them, you know, within the company. Um, the, one the of the six things functions that, that you mentioned before. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you um, go ahead and mention those anyway so we've got, we've got them on the podcast. Yeah, I guess we need to stop alluding to them and actually mention them. There's product marketing. There's tactical marketing. That's the, you know, the, uh, the selling and the quoting and so on. There's technical marketing, which is, uh, working all the technical issues between the customer engineers and yourselves. There's, um, strategic marketing, which does a lot of the, uh, the market research, uh, works with the industry uh, trade associations and so on. There's promotional marketing, uh, which is advertising, public relations, but, but more and more that's where the, uh, the web stuff the company website and uh, now more and more social uh, social networking uh, okay. fits into, and then finally there's uh, order entry and customer service. So you need to be doing those six functions. In in a small startup, uh, company strategies are, are being done by the the company founders. You know you're not going to bury that down in marketing somewhere. But as long as the functions themselves are being done, and and you want them on people's uh, list of duties so you know exactly who to turn to for, for which of these things, um, you'll go a long way. Right, so um, who's on point for what? Yeah, exactly. M- making sure there is someone on point for, for each of the but, yeah, for the In the first place, right. Right. Then, then, you know, the first thing you need to do is, is do a segmentation analysis of the market. Um, you know, figure out, you know, you, you say a commodity market, for instance, but I bet you that people are buying those products, even though they may be the same products, they're buying them in different ways uh, from different parts of the sales channel. Um, that, by the way, is a, is a real difference uh, in the way the new media channels are working. There is, when you look at pricing of products, Paul, um, you think, well, why is this why is this priced in this way versus versus something much lower, something much higher? And it turns out, um, it's usually not based directly on cost. It's usually based more on the cost of the sales channel. How much is it going to cost to get a guy or, or a girl in a three-piece suit in in front of a customer, uh, presenting and pitching that customer? And it it turns out when you do the numbers that those people need to be able to to do 
um, twenty, thirty, thirty-five thousand dollar kind of deals. Uh, below that, you can't afford to pay those people. Um, the numbers just don't work. Uh, as you get down very low, under a thousand dollars, under five hundred dollars, uh, products tend to be sold through distribution, um, through uh, big retail stores, or, or well, in, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. But there's no direct involvement with the company directly. Then there's this middle hole. I call it the, you know, the black hole of about a thousand dollars to twenty thousand, where it's too hard to sell on the web. For instance, would, would, would you? Write a check to somebody that you didn't know personally on based on the web for ten thousand dollars? Probably not. You know, you're gonna to need to see somebody face to face. As you get above twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, well then you can have a traditional sales force. So the place where the web, for instance, is coming in is in that in that that place a thousand dollars and below that used to be handled by distributors who are now kind of in trouble in the business. And and they're being replaced uh, to a large degree by people doing business directly with the company, using uh, new media channels, as you refer to them, um, to do their purchases and, and uh, get service directly. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Dave. I really appreciate your time. And for our listeners, now it's your turn. Please let us know what you're doing to create big M marketing impact in your organization Dave and I would be glad to keep this conversation going with you online, and we'll be back again next week with another PropCast, so thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you back next week on another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast.